A modern Carrie Bradshaw. Yes, at first I thought it would be cheesy to say this and people are over Sex in the City references, but I do have blonde wavy hair and I sit with my Apple computer in my 500 square foot apartment in Manhattan and write about love. I do have crazy dating stories and I love talking about relationships, but the relationship that I think Carrie should have talked more about was the one with herself. And that's where 30 Waves comes in. It's a blog and podcast about mastering our 30s and the life hacks that can help us do so. So whether it's about dating, um, I'll write about stories like how to stop overanalyzing or what's the real psychology behind why we miss our exes, to other ways we can better ourselves, from reading the best self-improvement book that I've read lately, or my favorite anti-aging skin routine, and I even throw in some New York-specific hacks, like where you can get the best haircut for $50. So if you want to check out my blog, it's at 30waves.com, spelled out. And so is my Instagram, and you can see that I might resemble Carrie quite a bit. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast, and I'll get into it. Okay, here's my quick solo thoughts before I introduce you to the guests. Now, every guest will be about a 20-minute segment to talk about their journey. Um, One guest has had it done four times, and she also fertilized her eggs with her partner, so she discusses that. The second guest will talk about in-depth details, like exactly what injections feel like, her tips and tricks, the exact cost breakdown, um, just all the logistics. The third guest is really interesting. It's about getting it done in Spain and how it can be a quarter of the cost at the world's most renowned and biggest reproductive clinic. Um, So it's very legit. And the fourth guest talks about how it's kind of empowered her in her single and dating life, which is also where I'm at. And that's what I'm going to get into right now with you guys. So, you know, I didn't think that this would be my journey. I am 34, single during quarantine right now. Um, But I was talking to a friend the other day and um, she's actually a mom of someone similar to my age. And she said, you know what, Brett? Like I didn't have my first kid until I was 37. And I love that I had so much life experience to share with her. And I think that helped shape our relationship. Um, And you know, I thought about that and I was like, wow, you know what? Like I'm a completely different person than I was at 27. And like, what did I even know about the world at 27? So if I do have my first kid at 37, let's say, um, I'm just going to be able to tell her, you know, so many more stories and give like really solid advice. So I loved that thought about it. And going back to the 27, you know, I did think that I would be married by 27, have my first kid at 30. I thought I was going to live in my same town. I thought um, I was going to marry my boyfriend that I went to high school with and things didn't turn out that way. I moved to San Francisco with my car at 25, 
then I moved to London. I've been in New York for almost five years now, um, in and out of serious relationships. I've been in love, I've dated, I've had horrible dating experiences, but here I am now, and I'm really thinking about egg freezing because, you know, I'm not ready to have a kid tomorrow, but I wanna be smart about things, and I really wanna feel empowered above all timeline and journey that I'm on. With egg freezing, there is some sort of assurance, um, even a mental reassurance that you're kind of buying an insurance policy in a way. So I don't have to worry so much in the next few years or rush people that I date or worry about the marriage timeline. So I like that. But during my research, I've also learned that it's so much money one guest it's only costing her around four thousand dollars but another guest it cost her eighteen thousand dollars doesn't always work and uh when you go through the ivf process that's another chunk of change so there are a lot of pros and cons that i want to share with you guys this podcast is to give you as much information from women that have gone through the egg freezing process but it's important to know that there's no perfect time to have a child and we can't let society or alarmists talk about our own biological clocks because the truth of the matter is that this is still being researched and there are not a lot of research studies out there on this. Um, the Atlantic, which is a highly credible media source, um, even talks about this and I shared it on my Instagram that there is this fertility fear mongering going around and it's based on just very few studies. And they talk about a study in 2004 where there were nearly a thousand European women and the study found that if they had sex at least twice a week, 82% of the 35 to 39 year old women conceived within a year naturally compared to 86% of the 27 to 34 year olds, which was almost identical to the fertility of women in their late twenties and early thirties. So, you know, this is, uh, we're talking about a 5%, four to 5% difference. I think it's really important to not freak out too much about this, but just to research and learn as much as you can and decide what's best for you. And I hope you like it. Um, it's I found it really interesting. So let me know if you have any questions after this and make sure you give me a review um, as well and share this with any friends that you think will find it valuable. So I appreciate it and we will get into it. Hi everyone. So our next guest is Noor Ahmed and she is a lovely friend in New York that I actually met at a dinner party a couple of years ago. Um, and I wanted to choose her as a guest to talk about her egg freezing experience because she has actually gone through the process um, making embryos with her partner. Is that correct? Is that how you say it? Like you've, you've fertilized an embryo? We made embryos. So yeah, I fertilized my eggs with him to make embryos. Cool. Um, and then you've mm -hmm. also been through the process four times. So you probably I know sure a lot about it. Um, like the back of your hand. Yeah. So I want to go <laughs> over sure do. every part of it and your experience and um, would love to hear too about 
you know, what you wish you knew the first time you did it um, and kind of your summary after doing it for four times. So we can get into it. Um, I'd love for you just to start by kind of giving your bio and a brief background for everyone. I would love to do that, Britt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I love everything you do. Thank you. Um, so I, yes, we did meet a couple years ago in New York City. I'm 35 years old and I live right in the heart of New York City. I've been here for about 10 years. I am a VP of strategic planning at an advertising agency. Um, we're yeah. focused almost uh, exclusively on healthcare and I've spent my entire career in healthcare. But I think the reason why I admire you and our paths crossed um, in the past five years, I've branched out to the world of storytelling. I've written two feature film screenplays and several TV pilots, all of which are still waiting for their big moment. Wow, <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, I remember we were standing next to each other and you're like, I'm a writer. And I was like, I'm a writer. And then we just had all this stuff in common. And I was like, we need totally. to be friends. We need to be friends. We need to have writing dates. So. Yeah. Um. So tell me a little bit about like your initial want to freeze your eggs and why did you decide to start that process and when did you start that process yeah totally so honestly it was 2017 Mm -hmm. I had just gone through a really brutal breakup Mm -hmm. and um the breakup really came about because the person I was with, um, he never wanted to get married. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I kind of believe that I never wanted to get married either. My friends and family would always be like, is that really what you want? You don't want to get married. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to get married. I just want to have a life partner. Mm-hmm. And that conversation also turned into, oh, I don't want, you know, we don't want children. And when the breakup happened and, you know, I'm trying to find myself, I, of course, spending so much time with my girlfriends, a lot of my girlfriends who were single were kind of talking about it. And I remember yeah. just being over at one of their houses and I think we were watching like the Oscars or the Golden Globes having a girls night mm-hmm. and they all started talking about it. And it became like, like the way, you remember the way Brit, like Botox became like the big thing, like you had Botox parties, like all the girls yeah. would get together yeah. and just like do Botox. <laughs> and that became like a trend. It, I felt like I was walking into a new trend. All my friends were like, oh yeah, we're all freezing our eggs. Totally. For sure. It's the new thing to do. You got to do it. Yeah. yeah. And Um, having gone through the breakup and knowing now that I was so confused about what I wanted out of life. And at that point I was like, probably 31 going on 32. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, should I, should I freeze my eggs? And, and, um, so then I kind of went, I started the process. I started the process of like researching and finding out more information and and all that. Wow. Yeah. It's so true. Like, I don't think I go to a single girls dinner or hangout where this doesn't come up in some capacity because someone in the group has gone through it or their Mm -hmm. friend or their sister has and it's like just very top of mind on everyone in everyone's head especially like in our kind of like I hate to say we're even mid-30s but you know early early to (laughs) mid-30s right yeah yeah yeah, it's literally like and it, and it becomes a topic of, com- it's such a big decision and deal, but we talk about it and I don't mean it in a critical way, but we talk about it so casually, like over dinner or, mm-hmm, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that you get more comfortable, I think, entertaining the idea of it. That's at least what happened for me. Yeah. So. Well, I also think yeah. like living in New York, like a lot of us are like super independent and we mm-hmm. have careers and we want to travel and we want to be kind of smart and think about this as like a a great insurance policy, but we're not in a rush to like hit all these milestones of like getting married, having children by the age. So I think that's probably why it's pretty prevalent in New York um, as well. Agreed. 
So, Agree. And like, I hate to say that like a breakup or a boy like prompted this decision because I'd like to think of myself as someone who's independent and makes their decisions. But I think I did it. It was almost reactionary. Like, yeah, were you making that decision not to have children or ever get married because of that person? And it was almost mm-hmm. like, okay, I better do the exact opposite now because I don't know what I want. And, you know, it, it was almost like in a weird way, like, reclaiming my independence because I felt like maybe I'd given it up by giving up the option to have kids I you know so yeah that makes um, sense and also like if you don't know then you know the answer is always no if you just decide not to I guess but Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um yeah so how did you go about researching (laughs) the right places to go and did you go to the same place four times Um, Yeah. So again, thank goodness for girlfriends. I can't stress that enough. I literally, honestly, just took my friend's advice. All my friends were going to NYU. They were all going to the same specialist at NYU, who's like known as the top fertility specialist in the nation. My -hmm. friends have done all the research and these are my best friends. I trust them with my life. So yeah, I literally like, I mean, maybe I Googled it just to like, make sure that I was understanding what I was getting into, but it's like, oh, like, and, and the, the particular friend who recommended it, she's so detail oriented. She's so thorough about all of this. Like, you know, she, you know, she works in finance. Like she knows oh, all yes. this stuff. I, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, totally. totally. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, if she's doing it there and then two other friends are doing it there, it became a no brainer. I went to, I went to NYU. Um, but I'd love to know why did you do it four times? Was it a matter that um, you got blood work and they didn't think that they could get many eggs the first time or how how did that come about I mean it's funny you've clearly done your research you nailed it like Mm -hmm. I walked in there with the attitude of like okay I guess I'll just do this my friends are all doing it I'm 32 when they did my blood work the doctor met with me and she said hey um everything looks great all's good um I just want to let you know you have a really low what's called um um your AMH level Mm-hmm. And AMH, it's this hormone that's secreted by ovarian follicles, mm-hmm. right? And so she's like, you have a really low level. And I'm like, okay, what, is, what do you mean? She's like, well, most women on average, they have an AMH hormone level between one and three. Mm-hmm. And you have 0.3. That's your level. Oh my gosh. And I was like, wow, that, that's really low. I'm like, okay, so what do you mean? And she's like, what I mean is we usually use the le- your AMH level to understand how many eggs that woman has mm-hmm. you. So it really is a, as a determinant of your fertility mm-hmm. and every woman is born with a certain number of eggs. And so she was like, you were born not with a lot of eggs, nor that's what this low, low AMH level is telling us. Wow. So it's, it doesn't, so, ha- it's not like your lifestyle or even no. your age. It, it is just a genetic it's literally like, yeah, what you were born with. And that's why you see women who are in like well into their forties who are, ha- will have a natural birth because they have a high AMH level. They were born with a lot of eggs. So if you're born with a lot of eggs, there's chances that you will continue to have viable eggs, even as you get older and closer to menopause. Right. If you're not born with a lot of le- eggs, you, you know, it doesn't mean like, I mean, one, you could like go into menopause sooner, or you just won't have a lot of viable eggs. Like more eggs means more chances for quality eggs. Yeah. And um, I, it didn't really hit me at that point. I'm like, okay, because she, she was so cool about it. She was like, all good. I think we're still going to get a good yield. Let's get you prepped. Let's have you do this. Don't even worry about it. Most women get like between tw- 10 and 12 like eggs and a, a, a retrieval. We're looking at maybe, you know, 
six to eight for you. So mm-hmm. it's, it, she just made it seem so nat- like cool and comfortable. And then I didn't really make the decision until um, the following year, 2018 winter to do the egg freezing because oh, you okay. have to make a choice of when to do it. And we can talk about that later because it's a lifestyle adjustment for those two weeks. And if you travel a lot for work or if you have vacations planned, like you want to make sure that you're doing it during a time that you don't have to travel because you're going in for blood work every day, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So um, I did it in February and uh, it, it didn't work. Um, they had me on the highest dose, like the highest cocktail of like injections and hormones. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they called it by like day eight. They're like, we're not seeing any follicles growing. Like in your, there's no follicles. We're not seeing anything in either one of your ovaries. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to keep going with this. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I walked out of there like pretty cool. They had to, they had maybe go to the pharmacy to get another shot to like give myself to like prompt the one egg, which would have been the normal egg I would have had in a period to like go through the cycle uh-huh. and um it was around valentine's day so then my boyfriend took me out to dinner in brooklyn and i just remember being like i'm actually really sad and i don't know if this is hormones or if this is what it is but i'm pretty bummed it didn't work out mm-hmm. and i don't know if i did i kind of was in denial and um the doctor said um why don't we try again let's try again i think like you had gotten off birth control maybe that's what it was because you'd been on birth control for so long why don't we try again? Now your body's kind of prepped and primed. The hormones are floating through you. Let's try again before your next menstrual cycle. Yeah. So um, we did try again. And then he decided I'm going to put you on an estrogen patch beforehand to prep your body. There's a lot of different cocktails and regimens that every girl goes through based on her hormone levels. Oh, Some I girls don't know. need a so it's yeah. very bespoke too, like depending on like totally. you could have more hormones than others have to do patches, like all of that kind of stuff all based on your own hormone levels and your history with like, do you have a normal period? Do you not have a normal period? Um, mm-hmm. I, I took the high, I was, I was injecting myself all the time. I know we can talk about that in a bit, but mm-hmm. oh, what my schedule was of injection. Other girls aren't. Mm-hmm. So um, we tried again with the patch. I had the worst reaction to that patch. That was my second attempt. And mm-hmm. he kept the doctor and, and there's no fault of NYU's at all. They're like, nor you got to stick through it. I'm like, I can't. I was like, I am like shaking with fevers and chills. My stomach's upset. I like, I was, I was like throwing up. I was having diarrhea. I'm like, oh my I gosh. can't. And it was so bad. And they're like, go to the urgent care because let's just make sure you don't have the stomach virus or a flu mm-hmm. because we don't, if, if you shake that patch off, you've missed a cycle. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have the flu or the virus or anything. My body just could not handle it. Mm-hmm. And I was fighting for so long to try to keep it on because I, if you, if you miss that cycle, then you got to start this whole thing over again. Yeah. And I just, I had to give up and I was so bummed. I was like, Oh God, I can't believe it. Oh God. Then, um, I know I was super bummed about it. And then I kind of gave a two month break. Mm-hmm. I tried again the third time. Can, I, third can, time, I, ask, can yeah. I ask quickly? I think you mentioned earlier. So do you have to go off birth control yeah. to get this? So like if I have, I have an IUD, do I have to get the IUD mm-hmm. removed before I do this? Uh, yeah. And ideally it's uh, removed at least two to three months prior to starting your injections. Interesting. Okay. They will put you on a cycle, even if you get off um, a month before Mm -hmm. that's like the, like you have to have had a full period, like a full cycle menstruation cycle off of birth control before they'll let you do injections. Okay, cool. And so, and we recommend two months. Do you mind if I ask, like, were you having pretty regular periods? Um, Did this come as a surprise or 
yeah, like getting off the birth control was so annoying and frustrating. That was one of the most annoying parts because, you know, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a relationship, so it had to change, it changed, you know, our sex life Mm -hmm. and it had to, we have to make those adjustments. And, 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 and because like, and, you know, when I had to try the third or fourth time, I made sure to get off birth control earlier, right? Like two or three months, I did about two months prior. So that's two months of like adjusting your, your sex life and, and figuring it out. And yeah, and it, it was, it was kind of, it was frustrating because getting on and off birth control also, also takes a toll on your body. Oh, right. Like your, yeah, your body's so used to the hormones and then yeah. it can mess with your skin and then just like emotional Total stuff, and- emotional stuff. And, and I had regular periods on birth control, but I've been, I was on birth control because I used to get to. I used to get two periods a month. So they put me on birth control because they're like, that's too many. And it kind of all adds up and makes sense. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, no wonder I don't have a lot of eggs to, I don't have a lot of eggs because I have that low AMH level. So they definitely don't want me to have more than one period a month. And, Mm, you know, it all started making sense, like things I never cared about or didn't realize. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And, And what do you have to do to kind of prep? So you have to get off birth control. Like, is there, are there any lifestyle changes that you have to make? Like, do you have to not drink? Do you have to eat certain foods? Like, what did you find that was like your kind of routine that you had to change? So from a doctor's perspective, they'll tell you, you don't have to do anything to prep. You just have to get off birth control at least a month before we're going to try. If you go onto the blogs, everyone will tell you 17 million things to do. Like, oh my God, like start using, like start eating this or start having the, like adding this turmeric powder to your every meal. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. mean, women will try acupuncture and actually the doctors do support acupuncture. Acupuncture is a big thing that can help with like your, the quality of your eggs. Yeah. Um, The one thing that I did do on, from a vanity level after, you know, going into my third attempt, I made sure that leading up to it. I did so much Pilates because you can't work out. Um, you can't work out those two weeks, but you also can't work for, out for four weeks afterwards. We can talk about that. Oh, um, wow. So I was like, uh, yeah. So I'm like, they always tell you, oh, but you can't work out during the two weeks. No, you can't work out for about six weeks. So I did a lot of Pilates to prep and to make sure that like, I was kind of like banking on like, okay, cause your core, it's, it's your, it's your core and your ovaries. So I just, and it's going to blow. Me, yeah, totally. That just mentally made me feel better. And then two, I started taking DHE pills, DHEA pills. Um, I had researched this. My friend had recommended it to me who had done it. And then I asked my doctor about it. And that's the only thing I did the third time around. And it, it really did help. Um, mm-hmm. If the DHEA is almost like it's a precursor to testosterone. And, um, and so that pill, I would take one every single day. I did that for like the two months leading up to the third cycle. Yeah. And it's supposed to help your eggs be more viable through this process because the whole process, all you're trying to do, all these hormones, every month, only one follicle is stimulated in our ovaries. So we only get one egg that comes in our ovaries every month. Right. This whole process, all it's doing is forcing your body to stimulate more follicles so that like more eggs are going to be matured in your ovaries for them to then retrieve. Wow. So and if you are, so like, if I mean, some people can get 10 or 20 eggs retrieved. So like, is your, yeah. is your body just on overdrive? Like, what does that, what does that feel like when you are on all like the medication honestly, and the pills and stuff? Honestly, I was on the highest dose of hormones and I have to tell you the emotional component was not hard. Like mm-hmm. I didn't feel on overdrive. I did not feel like my hormones were out of whack. Also like, cause you're, you're like, you know, I was going to work still. I was working. I just filled it into my schedule. I truly didn't feel 
I mean, maybe my uh, boyfriend Hunter would feel differently, <laughs> but I didn't feel like I was like an emotional mess or that I was any more emotional than I was when I was just having a regular period. Right. right. I think t- I really didn't feel that way. Truly. Um, it was just more on my mind because I had to like take injections or also it was more on my mind because every, every other day you go for the ultrasound and I would just like be crossing my fingers by the third attempt, like, Oh, please, please, please let there be follicles maturing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's like by the third attempt, I'm like, please let there be follicles maturing, please. That's I think more the emotional toll I had, but hormonally, I didn't feel any like more like emotionally, um, you know, Okay. That's awesome. Because I feel like I am the moodiest person on my period. Like I have this like tracker and like any day that I have a really bad day, I'm like, yep. Okay. It's like two days before my period. So I've always kind of been like worried about this, but I think it is a bit different probably for every single person, but it's good to know that you didn't notice like this total, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, (laughs) you know, not like I really didn't. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then what, um, so yeah, what happened after number three then? So you have to go in, what is it? Like on day three, on day five to get ultrasound and blood work Yeah, once you start and the process? And that's also, totally. And that's also bespoke, right? Like you will, some people will go in every day for blood work because like things are changing so quickly in their body from a hormone perspective. And some people go in every other day. And then every two to three days, you're going in for ultrasounds. But it really just depends on what your levels are because they check your hormone and like, levels every time you're they're doing blood work that determines if they need to do ultrasounds or not or change your medications so um luckily like NYU is like walking distance from my office so it would be great like you just kind of and you always go in the morning because they have hours that you can come in for your blood work or ultrasounds it's like open office hours between like seven and nine Mm -hmm. I always tried to and again I got the tips the pro tips from my girlfriends Mm -hmm. if you go in right at seven it's not crowded they'll just take you in get your blood work and then you're off to go to work and and you know you get your you get your marching order Mm. of like okay these are the this is the next set of drugs you need to order yep um and that's it and that's all but that's why you're kind of tied to wherever you are for those two weeks because you have to do you have to go in for blood work right and like yeah that makes sense um so how did the third retrieval go you know it, it, it went well and the reason and I think um I finally decided because I realized, wow, this is actually going to be harder than I realized because my hor- my AMH level is, is really affecting this. I'm not getting my eggs. Like it's like my body was refusing to give up my eggs mm-hmm. to the process. I think because it's like your body, my body knows you don't have a lot of eggs to give nor we're not working with you. Like, it's like my body knew. Um, my body didn't know that I was trying to get the eggs for a good reason. Mm. So there was like, they were fighting the medication. Yeah. So my part, my partner, we, you know, by that point we'd gotten really serious. It was like 2019 and, you know, we had moved in together and we'd already been talking about the future and he'd seen me go through it. And he saw how upset I was. Cause he was, I, I, I was already with him and pretty serious by the time I tried the first attempt, but I didn't really involve him as much. I was like, I'm just doing egg freezing. Right. And he, and he, he kind of prompted it. And he was like, I know I'm going to be with you. I know we're going to end up together. And, um, if it, and I would love to have children with you. So why don't we talk about embryos? Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be so hard, a hard of a process. So we decided we switched our cycle from egg freezing to embryo freezing. And, um, that third attempt, I took those DHE pills and, um, it worked. Like we got, how many we eggs got, were we you got, able to get? So I forgot, like, so the number it's an, and this is another thing, Britt, I don't know if like a lot of girls like appreciate it's all a numbers game. So that's, um, we got about five, I got five or six 
eggs from the retrieval. Mm -hmm. But of those eggs, then you go through a whole other process of testing them and biopsying them and seeing which ones are viable. And of those, only three ended up viable. And of and the three that got fertilized by his sperm, then of those three, they test those again. They test the, embry the embryos and see how healthy they are and biopsy those. Ultimately, we ended up with like one healthy male embryo. Yeah. And we ended up with one mosaic female embryo. Oh, and that just that means mean? that the, it means that the embryo is sh the part of the embryo that they biopsied has some abnormalities, oh. not all abnormal. And so they gave us a choice. They said, listen, this is the options. Like a mosaic embryo, we've seen those turn into absolutely healthy pregnancies, but we've also seen those embryos like turn into miscarriages mm -hmm. or turn into pregnancies that people have had to make difficult decisions ending because mm -hmm. we do more testing and find out there might be developmental dis um, developmental issues with the fetus. Um, and, you know, we had right. a male healthy embryo. We decided to keep it. So we have two on ice mm -hmm. and... Um, that's also great. It's great. We loved it, but now we appreciated the numbers game, and we were like, "Fuck!" Like you don't even. Sorry. Oops. I'm sorry. Oh no, we can we can swear. No, 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 we can swear. Um, it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, but we you don't know if those embryos are going to take in a transfer, right? Yeah. Like there's like a sixty percent chance. There's a sixty-five to seventy percent chance those even take. So that's why you want more because you're like, well, this could end up failing. Like my body might not take the embryo. Blah. Yeah. That's why we tried a fourth time. Oh, okay, makes sense time we got none the fourth time we got absolutely none no follicles I got no eggs like it was I mean sorry 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 we got we got eggs I did the retrieval we got eggs we were so excited I got two less eggs than the third time so I was a little worried about the numbers game I'm like oh my god oh my god I was yeah. like are we gonna get embryos out of this went through the process testing the eggs a few fell off and then we you know fertilized a few fell off. We only had one embryo. And when it went for testing, it was so severely abnormal. Oh. Like the doctor was like, it's a strong embryo, but this is going to turn into, even if this embryo survives into a pregnancy and into a actual baby, it will have so many developmental issues, Nor. Um, this is not an yeah. embryo you should keep. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a little sad just even talking about it. It's so weird how you get attached to embryo. I was so sad and it was also, um, and it was a girl, it was a female embryo, but we made the decision oh, not so to keep it. So about that. that's so how sorry. we ended up through four. So is the cost a lot different from when you do the embryo than <laughs> just to do the retrieval? Because then you're testing, I guess, for like genetic, um, genetic differences and stuff like that yeah there's more there's there are more costs when you're doing embryo because like your partner's getting like you know like your partner's getting genetically tested and you're getting genetically tested and then the um there's a there's an additional cost of like the biopsy of the embryo right like and and also the process of fertilizing that that's an additional cost of like actually oh, fertilizing okay. the egg and the sperm and there's additional costs to biopsy oh, okay. the so every embryo. little step is pretty every little step every step do you have cost. any like <laughs> did you just financially plan like part of your savings or are there any like any programs that can help you pay for it if you do have to do this a few times or yeah. So here's the, like, 
there are companies that will cover this health. Like there are companies who have employee health coverage plans that cover mm-hmm. um, egg freezing. Right. So like, I know, like, I think like one of my friends, she's a producer at an entertainment, like I think at NBC, like their, their coverage plan covers it. Like Google, got, like, um, I think like right. Google, like, yeah, they'll cover it. Like insurance will absolutely cover this. I unfortunately, and I mean, I love where I work, but it doesn't cover this. So the first time um, that I did it, I, um, we ended up like paying out of pocket and um, I ended up like getting Mm -hmm. help from my parents. And so like they, you know, they, they, they definitely helped um, through the whole process. And I I probably, I I just wouldn't have been able to, I mean, I tried to like save and plan, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of costs and they tell you, cause you go through an orientation and da, 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 like NYU puts you through an orientation and they give you like the fee schedule and all that stuff. So I was able to kind of talk to my parents and figure it out. But then after that, when we realized I had this like low AMH level, so it ultimately, it actually qualifies what's it's called, um, pre, um, it's, it's like, it's something like premature, like menopausal condition or something like that, where, where I, I am going to be predisposed to an earlier onset of menopause because yeah. you have this low AMH level. And so that ended up becoming a medical condition. So because of that, my insurance kicked in and started covering a lot. And so I probably wouldn't have been able to afford or do attempts like two, three, and four, if my insurance wasn't covering it. I'm so happy that they did. And that- Totally. You just do the cool. little thing. Well, thank you yeah, so sure. much for just being so honest. And I'm really glad that you do have two healthy embryos thank and, you. you know, and you, it's so brave to go through it too so many times and you have such a good attitude about everything. So I really appreciate you yeah. sharing and it's, Thanks. and I think it's, it's really nice to hear of a perspective course. of like, you know, it's not this perfect experience and it's good it is good if you're no. thinking about it to go check out your AMH levels um, and just go from there and know that, you know, the right thing's going to work out. So my next guest is a very close friend named Joelle, who also had low AMH levels and ended up getting a very successful retrieval in her opinion, based on how she handled her nutrition leading up to her egg retrieval. She will also get into the nitty gritty of like tips on how to give yourself shots and what angle to put it at and um, a little bit more about the cost breakdown. So we'll get into it. Um, We have known each other since I want to say we were like 19 years old and you recently got your eggs frozen in February because Mm -hmm. you, you started the process the day after my birthday. I remember. I do remember that. Yes. Um, I drank a lot that night because I was like, I might as well. This is your like last hurrah, right? (laughs) Enjoy it. (laughs) So Joe, can you give me a quick bio of like your age, what you do? Sure. All that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, I'm 34, almost 35. I, um, kind of live in New York city, not during COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right now I'm in Rhode Island. Um, but I work at a branding firm based in Brooklyn. I'm a client director. Um, Mm -hmm. um, and, um, I guess coming out of the egg freezing process, I've just been really, really interested in learning more about nutrition and how powerful it can be 
getting your body on track, something that I learned a lot about during the egg freezing, freezing process. So, right. Yeah. yeah that, that makes sense. And I'm excited to learn about like how, mm-hmm. you know, I, I fully believe like what you eat, what medicines, even what vitamins you take can really affect totally. your just like well being and emotional well being um, above all. So, yeah. Um, okay. So we'll just go through like, some questions that I've received from Instagram um, and then just also kind of basic questions that you guys will want to know just about the process and how it works. Okay. Before you started, what did you do nutrition wise to get prepped for it? Decided to like take a breather, focus on my health. You know, if I know that I have low AMH levels, then there's things that I can do for my body to make sure that the eggs that I do have are viable. Mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. maybe and I like can, as healthy as possible. Exactly. So that they can mature so that I can get my cycle on track. I think having a, a shorter cycle, I think, and don't quote me on this, but I think having a shorter cycle is actually better than having a longer cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, you want a cycle that is predictable. So I, I stopped drinking. I, I mean, I still drink, but not too much. Um, I started taking prenatals. I did acupuncture a handful of times. Mm, I've um, heard that works well. Yeah, I actually did like really notice a, a difference. Um, in like my, my cycle. And so I thought it worked. It's just, it's super expensive. So like at some point you're like, am I really going to spend $250 every session? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's like getting a, it's even more than a fancy massage. That's crazy. Yeah. It's so expensive. Um, so what was your favorite resource to just find out everything you wanted to know about egg freezing before you started? did a lot of reading online. Uh, Fertility IQ is a really awesome resource. Um, okay. It was like a constant, it was like a tab open <laughs> that whenever I was in like meeting rooms, yeah, <laughs> no, one could see my, no one could see my um, screen. I would just browse it. Um, yeah. Can you explain the first step and how people even start the egg freezing process? So do you go to your gyno to get specific blood work or how, how did it start from like very step one? Like this is an idea in your head. You go in for an initial consultation. You meet with the doctor. She'll do a vaginal ultrasound um, to see how many follicles you have on each side of your ovaries or on each ovary. Um, And so, and then she'll also, draw your blood, right. To find out what, where your hormone levels are at. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of step one. How did you go about researching the right spot? Because I find that it's a bit overwhelming in New York. Um, there's a bunch of like clinics, startups doing it. How did Mm -hmm. you choose your spot and where did you go? Like I knew that CCRM, which is the Colorado Center for Reproductive, uh, sorry, it's Colorado Center of Reprodu- <laughs> Reproductive Medicine. Um, so CCRM, mm-hmm. but um, I knew that they were one of the best in the nation. They have clinics like all over the country. And um, one of my really good friends actually went to them and she had rave reviews out over a specific doctor. So Mm -hmm. to be honest, like I said, I didn't do much research, but I met with the doctor um, for an initial consultation back in September. And I just like, my friend was right. Like I felt an instant connection to her. Um, She was super straightforward. 
she gave me the facts and just made me feel like she would be really supportive. And I believe mm-hmm. she had gone through it herself. Um, I can't quite remember, oh, but, but something, nice. uh, yeah, I think she had gone through it herself. And so just knowing that was really, really comforting. Um, I also think that the doctor is really important because they do have to just closely monitor your progression throughout the process. And so mm-hmm. timing it perfectly, tracking, you know, how your, your follicles are growing, all of that is just like you want, the goal is to retrieve as many eggs as possible, right? And so you really want to just have a doctor that you feel like you trust that will have your back throughout all of this. How long is the process from start to finish? For me, I was put on an estrogen patch uh, just because I wasn't on the pill and my hormone levels were a little bit off. And so they put me on an estrogen patch for about 10 days. Um after I ovulated. And then when I started my period is when I started injections. And then that process is anywhere between like 10 and 14 days, depending on how you're progressing, um, how long your cycle is, and then you do the retrieval. And then the next day you're walking around like nothing ever happened. (laughs) Can you give us the full honest cost breakdown? I will say CCRM is definitely more expensive than most clinics. And I mean, it's in New York and like a box of cereal is more expensive than anywhere else. Right. So, um, so, uh, so then, um, when you start, so your, your fees for the actual eggs, egg freezing process are due on the day that you start your injections. And so, um, mine were, um, the fee I think is like close to $11,000. Um, but that does not include, the medication. Um, the medication is um, about $7,000. I went to a um, out-of-pocket pharmacy up in the Upper West Side. They're awesome, um, but mm-hmm. they definitely saved me a couple grand. Um, so way better to oh, go cool. through them. And because they have like so many women going there for fertility, fertility medication, um, they do a really good job on kind of like explaining to you um, what everything is, but yeah, it was, it was expensive. The medication is super expensive. Um, yeah. Um, and then do you, do you pay, like, can you pay on like a credit card or do you have to like wire transfer or I paid on a credit card? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like very transactional, which felt really weird. It makes me really sad that like some women can't afford this. And I think it's worth like our country revisiting how we can support that exactly and like the good news is you know some companies do mm-hmm. sponsor um yes google facebook's all of that but i mean you work at a really amazing agency and just it's not all insurances so um it is really yeah. eye-opening but it's always worth checking into too um because yeah. you never know and asking your hr people um, Okay, let's talk about the shots, the injections. You said that you had some tips and tricks for them as well. Tell me. So you are injecting like two inches below your belly button, um, like anywhere, it just anywhere in your lower abdomen. Okay. Is it a big needle? No. So the needles that you inject yourselves with are, is like tiny. It's probably like, I would say like three quarters of an inch. It's not bad. And they're so skinny. Um, 
and they're they're uh, I think they're subcutaneous. They they don't like penetrate the muscle basically, so they just go in oh. under the skin. Oh, cool. um, and so really, the only feeling you get is like when you prick yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is like a split second, and you're done. And if it's called Menipure, is the medicine that that I took in the mornings. Um, that one actually burns a little bit when it goes in, and so that kind of like scared me at first because like, oh, this burn sucks. But then I read online that um, if you actually put it in the the needle, like in the vial, um, or sorry, I forget what it's called, but like wherever the liquid sits before the needle, mm-hmm. um, you if you let it sit for like ten minutes before you inject it. Um, then it actually doesn't burn as much. Me was actually not going in at an angle, but going in like like straight into your skin. Um, I feel like it was like less skin to penetrate maybe. Mm. I, I don't know, but I mm-hmm. really did. That worked really well for me. I also, um, I like pinched my, my like the, because I pinched my fat basically is like when I held, my lower, lower belly, I would like pinch it to a point where it like almost kind of felt like hurt me. <laughs> so right. When I, when You're I did... focusing on that pain kind of. Instead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It like didn't feel, yeah. And um, so, yeah, it really was not bad at all. I would say that the worst part of it was um, towards the end, you've injected yourself so many times that you do have a little bit of bruising. I bruise easily. So not everybody will have bruising. Um, but really honestly, like after the first couple times of doing it, I was like a pro at injections. <laughs> it, oh my god! Like I was towards the end, like I was going to restaurants because I wasn't going to stop my life during this. Um, yeah. So like, you go to restaurants and like go to the bathroom and you know shoot up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, I imagine like the first time you just like close your eyes and scream and like just do it, and then. It's really not that bad. I mean, every, but no matter whoever's listening to this, whoever's going to go through it, they will, they, no matter what I say, they will still be squeamish unless they're an amazing human being and don't get scared of needles. Okay. So what's a normal egg count to get? Basically what they told me is you should expect to retrieve less eggs in one round. And the number that they like to hit Um, at least at CCRM is to guarantee one live birth, you need to freeze 10 mature eggs. And I think that it's important to, to tell people that like, just because you may get 30 eggs, which I know women my age who have gotten 30 eggs, you may not, your eggs may not mature. Um, Mm -hmm. and so you may not be able to freeze all 30 eggs. They only freeze the mature eggs. And so, um, for somebody with my levels, they were like, you should probably expect to like get three to five eggs, which meant, meant like immediately, okay, I have to prepare myself to do this two or three round, two mm-hmm. or three times, which right. is obviously super expensive. Like you don't get a discount for the second time you do it, which sucks. Um, Just to recap really quickly. So you have to have your period is that right you have to have your period and then the day after your period you start the medicine yeah so I think it's like day two or three of your period is you start the medication okay and then for two weeks you have this like round of medication and shots but it's pretty bespoke to Mm -hmm. what the doctor says how much you take um okay and so then And then after, so after you do the like main medication, when you go in for your blood work and ultrasound, they'll be like, okay, 
based on, you know, the size of your follicles and based on your blood work to, you know, tomorrow is, is the day you need to take your trigger shot. And so basically what the trigger shot is, and, and I, I might be wrong, but um, basically it's like when your eggs get released into your ovaries, it's like a, a shot to trigger your body to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. so, um, I, um, I took the trigger shot 24 hours before my, pr- uh, retrieval. And then uh-huh. 12 hours after that trigger shot, I took another trigger shot. And then exactly 12 hours after that, I took, um, I went in for the retrieval. And so they really, really precisely time it out just to make sure that they like go in and grab them at the exact right time. Wow. Okay. So then can you talk about, um, briefly what the retrieval was like? Do you go under, do you, who do you recommend to go with you? What, what's, what's it, how long does it take all that stuff? (laughs) Um, so go with somebody that will, so they won't let you, um, they won't let you leave unless you have an escort. So my boyfriend came with me. Um, and you know, I think like the way you feel is really just like you would for any surgery. I think I'm always a little nervous to just get put under. Um, Mm -hmm. and you do have to go under just because for obvious reasons, they don't want you to move. Mm -hmm. Um, but you get there and they're really great. Like they just talk you through it. Um, they tell you like what, what you're going to, what they're going to do to you. And then you like change into a gown and then you get the anesthetic, you pass out. Um, and then it happens so quickly. I woke up like an hour later. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, it's super fast. It's so fast. The whole thing I think like takes 20 minutes from like when you get put under to when you're wheeled out of the, the oh, amazing. Uh, and do they go through your belly button or like, no, they what go, do they, they do? Actually, I think um, this is something that I should know, but I believe that they um, actually take like a suction needle um, and they pierce through your vaginal wall and go straight to your ovaries, go to your follicles. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. So then you, you wake up, your doctor comes in and they tell you how many you were able to freeze and how many they were able to get, not Mm -hmm. freeze, sorry, how many they were able to retrieve and then you just go home like 20 minutes later I I slept for like three hours and then ate ate Thai food and then the next day I was up and up and walking around I felt like a tiny bit crampy at one point Mm -hmm. I remember but honestly I did not feel a thing I had no bleeding or anything like that um the next day the next day they send you a report to tell you how many they were actually able to freeze like how many were mature eggs um, and luckily I, I had hit the, the 10 number that I needed miraculously, which <laughs> so is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Like triple the amount they thought, which is so yeah. amazing. And- yeah. Even my doctor was a little bit surprised. Um, but I mean, that's just goes to show, like, you just never know, like even women who can't get pregnant, they go through the IVF process, they get pregnant. And then like years later they get pregnant naturally. So I think it's just, your body is a very delicate and sensitive thing and we just need to treat it with kindness yeah yeah and not be so hard on it I think that's like one of the biggest things that I learned like I was kind of being hard on myself to be honest because I was like oh like it was almost a a little pity party and Mm -hmm. talking to friends about it was helpful but 
you know, it's not, they're, they're not going through it. So it's really hard for them to relate no matter how much I appreciated their advice. But you, I was really, really hard on myself for a few months there. Yeah. Well, it's such a, it's, you know, it's part of just being a woman and it's such a delicate subject to worry about your fertility and just, you know, mm-hmm. we're at the age right now where we're still like, you know, we don't want children tomorrow, but like, it's, you know, it's on top of our mind and it's just mm-hmm. a really emotional, delicate thing at this age. So I think exactly. what you did, like, okay, I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to make my body as healthy as possible and stay positive Mm -hmm. you know I think that's all you can really do and I have a lot of respect that you did that and went into it calmly and you know perhaps that's why it also worked out how it did so um I know you mentioned to me there were some body changes and then emotional (laughs) changes body changes when I was texting you like every day when this is going on what would you say um happened (laughs) so you know me I'm I'm a big wuss when it comes to my cycle I'm like always like my boobs hurt I'm Mm -hmm, cramping mm -hmm. I feel awful and so I would say that I'm like pretty hyper aware of hormonal changes um in my body and so I think that like it definitely varies for people um I like I think my natural tendency to like just get hormonal was compounded with those crazy hormones that you take. And so you do feel, I felt bloated fairly quickly. Like I immediately could not suck in my stomach and I was like, wow, this sucks. And so um, I started like leggings basically right away. I wore Mm -hmm. leggings for like a month. Um, By the time you're done, you feel like, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be about two or three months pregnant, um, where you're just like, your, your ovaries are just like really engorged. And so your stomach's bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And you can't exercise. So there's nothing that you can do to like, let it out, you know, like sweat it out. I, I took a lot of walks. But if you like, I can't do Pilates, I do Pilates, and I couldn't do that, because they're afraid that like, you would twist your ovaries if you, oh. you know, you do some weird move. And so, okay. So um, that's why they're afraid for you not to work out. It's like, it could just like misplace yeah. something or just, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I think, um, I guess like, what else did I feel in my body? Um, oh, did, did you oh. feel like you gained them? Like, would you say like seven pounds or 10 pounds or what did I it? So I didn't actually weigh myself um, because I was like, what's the point? Hopefully I go back to normal after this. And you do go back to normal. So like, I will, I will say that like I did the retrieval and then they say that you can't do exercises for another two weeks until you get your next period. And by Mm -hmm. my next period, I was just like back to total normal. Um, But, but um, the weirdest, so the weirdest thing I felt was um, that you can just like feel your ovaries in overdrive like it I guess you're like it feels like a machine running like it's like I just felt really aware of them the whole time <laughs> like I felt like they were working inside me and it was a really weird you know that feeling when you get your blood pressure at the doctor and they like let let the air out and you can like feel your your like skin pulsing yeah yeah that that awful uncomfortable feeling that you can feel your blood running through you yeah yeah I didn't feel the pulsing but I felt like there was just I, I was hyper aware of my ovaries. Like I could feel them moving and working. Oh my 
god that creeps me out like would it you lay would you be but... laying at night and you were like oh my god these things are like working and moving right now <laughs> I really I really only felt it when I was like sitting down I didn't feel it when I was laying down I only felt it when I was sitting okay I feel and like I you and tired. me are like the exact same though like we are like so so hyper aware like I've had situations where like doctors have said like you shouldn't even be able to feel that and like I can feel that so yeah I get that but if, as long as it's not painful you know and 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 maybe in a way comforting knowing like okay well yeah. something's working like this is different than usual so like you know right. at least I'm getting my money's worth and these drugs yeah. are working it sucked but when it was all over it was almost like I gave birth like I forgot about all the pain um and right. really it was like truly 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 very minimal pain it was not bad at all um you know if it wasn't $18,000 I would do it again if you don't want to do it if you're 36 or if you're 37 or whatever and you don't want to do it that's fine too it's it's a choice like it's a lot of money it's not for everybody um and that's totally okay yeah, I think-, I think there's like a little bit of that, like, oh, you're you're in your mid 30s, you should really think about it now. And I think that there's like, some pressure, like even the doctors that I spoke to did just automatically assume that I should do it. And I wanted to do it. Um, because of my age. And I think that that's okay, if you don't want to do it. Right. And I've actually done some research that I'm going to share to um And I have shared on Instagram about, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's individual for every person. You could have low AMH and get 10 eggs. Um, You could still have a child naturally in your forties. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there, it's still a new thing being studied. And like you said earlier, like for low AMH natural births, like there's not a lot of studies around that either. Mm So, yeah it's a personal choice. Um, and I think it's, I wouldn't say go one way or the other, but it's good to know exactly how it works, how it costs and just Mm -hmm. like your options too. So thanks so much, Joe, for sharing all of this with everyone. And if you guys have any questions for her, I can relay it. Um, but I really appreciate it. And now we will go on to the next guest, um, to talk about her experience. I think you're going to find the next guest story super fascinating. It's from a good friend that is actually getting it done in Spain, and she'll go over how the cost is actually a quarter of what it is in the U.S. And if you just listened to Joelle's story, $18,000 is quite a bit of money. So imagine having the option of a quarter of the price at the world's biggest reproductive clinic. So let's get into it. Hey guys, so my next guest, I am so excited to chat with, and I think you're going to be really excited to hear this perspective too, because it's probably a different one than you've ever heard on egg freezing. Um, It is with Misty, a good friend from the sorority. So we've known each other since we were around 18 years old. Um, And a fun fact is that we actually have the same birthday, same year, everything. Um, So if you believe in astrology, it's pretty crazy because we also have lived 
um, pretty similar lives, uh, both living in New York. Uh, she's now lived in Paris. I, she now lives in Paris and I have lived in London and we're kind of on this like cool single independent journey. Wouldn't you say Misty? <laughs> I would. It's been a uh, great connecting with you through the years and following our paths together, but Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to uh, you about this process. Like you said, I'm living in Paris, which makes it quite different because I'm going through the process in Europe, actually. Yes. Um, and so we are going to get into this perspective on why it is so different to get your eggs frozen in Europe um, and the main reason being cost. So we can get into it. Um Missy, you want to give a quick kind of like just bio to everyone, um, like what you do and a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I'm 34. Like you said, we have the exact same birthday. Uh, living in Paris, I work for a big beauty company. So I've worked in finance uh, since college and have always been following my career and living in Paris was a big dream of mine. So I had the chance then to take a job in Paris, which has offered me such a great opportunity to see the world and learn different perspectives and different cultures. And so that's sort of what I've been doing since college, which has really led into why now I'm looking into freezing my eggs because I've been on this career, travel, follow my life dreams adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think um, now is a good time to do it? And what led you to wanting to do it? Well, I started the process actually when I was in New York City. So when I was about 30, I had dinner actually with my grand big sis from the sorority. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about, and I've had many conversations since, struggles getting pregnant. And she said, look, like you're 30 just go see a doctor and have a peace of mind as to whether or not it's something you need to actively look into now, whether or not you have time and just be informed, then you mm -hmm. can make the right decision. Yeah. So I went to my doctor, I did like the very basic hormone panel, which essentially the way she described it, I thought was good. She describes it as picture you buy eggs at the grocery store. Do they say they expire in a week or do they say they expire in two weeks? So oh, how like much that. time yeah, how much time are you giving yourself and your body? No, it's not 100% because it's just your hormones. But I went to the doctor, got the blood work, and he said, actually, you know, I'm very lucky. He's like, you're, you have great hormone levels. So I said, okay, great. Let me put it off for now because it's quite expensive. And at the time, I was really pushing my company to give this as a benefit. They mm -hmm. didn't at the time. I knew it was a big market trend that was changing. A lot of companies now do. I'm happy to say my company now does. Okay. And so at the time, I was saying... To myself, okay, this is a minimum $16,000 expense to do it in the US. It's a lot of money. It's a lot mm -hmm. of money when you're living in New York City, which is a very expensive city to live. As right. You know. Paying rent a few thousand, like it's, it's yeah. so hard. It's impossible almost. Right. You don't have this extra 16 grand sitting around for the fact that you're biologically getting older. It almost feels a bit unfair, but you know, that's life. Yeah. So I, I put it off. And when I came to France, I had even more conversations, more friends best friends that had struggled to get pregnant that had gone through the process. And I said, okay, let me stop being not stubborn about it, but taking my time about it and actually look into it, start to do the process and decide whether I'll do it in France or I'll do it in the U S the great thing about France and, and Europe is they have amazing healthcare. So mm -hmm. I decided for me, 
it was just easier to do it in Europe. So that's sort of the route that I took. And what surprised me as I started looking into it is the cost. So the 16 to $20,000 you're spending in the US, in Europe, it's actually a quarter of the price. So in totality, wow. it will cost me 4000 of which my insurance covered 1000 So out of pocket, I'm paying $3,000. Oh versus gosh. paying four times that amount in New York City. That is so crazy. That is so much cheaper. And, you know, I've I've talked with other women and, you know, I, I look at this as like it's a great insurance policy, but it's not a, a foolproof insurance policy either. So that's a little scary, too, with the financial commitment that you are paying $16,000, $18,000. And there's a chance that you don't use your eggs or when time, you know, when the time comes to do IVF, um, maybe some of the eggs like won't work. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of amazing that it is so much more affordable and it's a, it's a bit of a no brainer, I think in Europe to do this then. Um, that's, if, that's if exactly that's what, what I thought. Do. Yeah. I said, you know, at the end of the day, I'm gambling with $3,000 for something that, you know, for me, I want to be a mother, but I want to be a mother later in life. I'm, I'm so happy living in Paris and, and chasing this big dream I have to live internationally, move to another country again, have this great experience. I don't, I don't feel like right now is the point in time in my life where I'm ready to have kids and I'm ready to accept the lifestyle change that comes with it. So exactly as you said, I think of it as my insurance policy and I'm mm -hmm. totally okay if I don't use them. I have a great friend who's 10 years older than me who did egg freezing, paid $20,000 for it in New York because it was much more expensive before. Wow. And she's just decided she doesn't want them. She doesn't, she doesn't want to go forward with it. And that's fine. That was her choice. So I sort of have the same perspective of maybe I use them, maybe I don't use them. We'll see, but it's a it's a low cost, relatively speaking, right? It's still three thousand dollars, but it's a yeah, it's a low cost gamble for something that really is important to me. Um, yeah, yeah, I am totally with you on that. And I wanted to briefly talk about you were telling me a bit about the laws in France and how it's illegal um, for certain groups. So. Yeah. What, what is kind of the deal there in terms of egg freezing and how it's illegal in certain ways? It's it's super interesting. It was absolutely shocking. I was on a train to Provence and <laughs> researching, researching cost, trying to get an idea of the expense because I had wanted my company to pay for it. I wanted my company to pay for it while I was in Paris, which happily they are. Mm -hmm. um, but as I researched, I saw that there was a ton of articles coming up over all these protests happening. I'm like, why are people protesting egg freezing? What is going on? So I went down a little bit of, you know, the internet research spiral. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that in France, it's actually illegal for single and lesbian women to freeze their eggs. Oh, my God. Incredible, right? We're in 2020, and it is illegal. It's actually one of the big tickets that Macron and the president ran on were these liberal ideas. Uh, you think about Paris. I mean, they, they legalized gay marriage so long ago, one mm -hmm. of the first countries to do it. They, they have great social laws, but they also are very deeply rooted in their historically religious views. And part of that is the idea that you're creating 
fatherless children. So that's the vision of how this law came to be, which is surprising. They actually just changed the law slightly in January to say that now women of a certain age Mm -hmm. who are single can go forward with the process. So I have a friend here who's 40. She's French, French Mm -hmm. woman, who's actually now legally allowed to do the process in France. And she's going to basically use a sperm donor and go through the process and be a single mother. So that she's following that option, which I think is super interesting. But for me, given that it is illegal, what that means is I have a doctor here who will take me through the whole process up to the actual procedure. And then I will go to Spain and have the procedure in Spain. So I did already in pre-COVID time, Mm -hmm. just before everything went crazy and we locked down in Europe and before Spain blew up, um, I went actually to see the facility, to meet the doctor, to do some of the test work. Uh, and talk about the process. So I went there, gave me all the information. It's the biggest uh, company in the world. So they're actually an international company. They have, uh, I think, 65 offices worldwide, uh, some of which are in the U.S. They just Mm -hmm. merged with one of the biggest in the U.S. So they're Mm -hmm. huge in research, one of the best places you can go. So great company, great doctors. Went, they walked me through the whole process gave me a Spanish prescription, at which point I could go to a Spanish pharmacy, pay out of pocket. It's uh, slightly cheaper actually in Spain than even in Paris. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's about 800 euros. If you've ever uh, talked to someone who's gone through the process, that that's a number that will shock everyone. Normally the medication is $6,000. Yeah. And in Spain, it's about 800. They tell you to save 800 euros. (laughs) And when I came to Paris, it was about a thousand. And my insurance covered it. So the other thing is here, your insurance really does cover a lot of those expenses. Mm -hmm. They don't have a big markup like in the U.S. because everything is privatized medicine uh, in the U.S. versus here, you have the socialist medicine. Therefore, if it's an approved expense, it just gets paid for. So naturally, my medication was paid for. All my doctor's visits to get blood work, sonograms, et cetera, have been paid for. Um, But so with that prescription, I, I filled mine in France. I'll do all the work leading up to it in France, send my results every couple of days for the blood work, et cetera, to the doctor in Spain. And then when the time comes, uh, 10 days into the process, I get on a, on a plane, go to Spain. They told me, we'll do your last checkup. Two days later, we'll do the procedure. And then my doctor said, you'll be partying in Barcelona the day after. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's so, so it's quite simple. Yeah. So once you get to Spain, then you're, you're technically just kind of there for what, a few days and you do the egg retrieval and then, and then you're basically back to normal after. Yeah, that's pretty much what they said. So you go for your last appointment. Um, I plan on going, I'm actually doing it in Valencia. So I plan on coupling it. Well, I did plan on coupling it with a nice Spanish travel trip, <laughs> but we'll see what happens now. It seems like now it'll probably be just go get the procedure and come back. Mm-hmm. But so I'm going to go on day nine-ish of the process, see the doctor, lay on a beach, day 11, go in. It's a quick procedure, yeah. go back to the hotel. And he said, honestly, you can fly home the next day. So wow. that's sort of, yeah, it's, it's quick. It's easy. It's a two-hour flight for me. You know, it's not not super complicated. Uh, my doctor here manages everything for me. And, and like I said, he gave me the French prescription to fill and, and follows all of my testing. So yeah, it's really just going to Spain to get the procedure. Now the hiccup is then my eggs will be in Spain. 
Yes. So that was going to be my next question. First of all, it sounds like if there are any people that worry, like, you know, like, oh, the the system isn't as good in other countries, like America, you know, the doctors are the best in New York or the US, it sounds like this really is a legit company. Um, It's called IVI. Is that true? Exactly. Yeah, it's called IVI, IV. And um, IVI, they they're the world leader. They're they're quite advanced in their research. One of the first companies that have been doing it. They've been around for, I think, 30 years, which sounds short, but the reality is we haven't been doing this sort of reproductive assisted medicine for very long. So right. they are really one of the first and foremost um, on the research side. And yeah, it was, it was just a good fit. They're, they're great facility. And mm-hmm. the cost was great. They also cover the storage for five years. So that's the other hidden Whoa. cost that they don't tell you about a lot of times in the US that you're paying like a thousand least, a year at least. Or... Yeah, exactly. Like a thousand a year to store them here. They store them for five years. And I said, well, what about after five years? And they're like, oh, it's a few hundred euros. I was like, okay. Oh so it's, it is like, it's quite a, quite a benefit. And um, I, I look at it as, okay, my eggs are going to be left in Spain. Well, first of all, a flight to and from Spain even at a high point is still cheaper than me going all the way back to New York, which I would have to have a flight for anyway, do the procedure in New York. And honestly, if you're American as well, and you do this in New York and you leave New York, you still have to go back to New York anyway. So the risk is still there that you're going to freeze your eggs in a place where you don't live. So for me, I think of it as no matter where I end up, I'm going to have a beautiful Spanish vacation when I come back and do this procedure <laughs> again. Exactly. And that's the way you have to look at it. You have to look at it like I'm going to lay on a beach in the south of Spain and soak up the sunshine and enjoy it. Right. I'm not going to go and just only do that. So for yeah. me, it was it was a decision I made and I said I was OK with. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, when I first started hearing about like, maybe there's a European option to do this, I was like, okay, they're going to be stuck over there. But the truth of the matter is like, I don't know if I'll live in New York in in five plus years, um, especially everything giving on right now. So it's like, odds are I probably will have to travel anywhere I go to get the sun. So exactly. And it's still super legit, you know, and um, you can get it done. And you said like Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia. So major cities. Yeah, they do also. um, Some people go to Belgium, but Spain is sort of regarded as the best. This company is regarded as the best. And now that they've merged with one of the biggest American companies, it's still a federal, not federal, international law that you can't take your eggs. It's not a it's not that the eggs can't travel. The eggs can travel fine. It's a legal thing that the eggs cannot leave Spain to go to the U.S. But now that they've created this more international company, they're hoping that they can sort of push the laws so that they can then be moved. Mm, so perhaps in five years or, you know, whenever. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, I guess I feel like we've covered a lot of kind of like how it works Um you told me previously, like, there are also some additional benefits, like, if you aren't comfortable giving yourself shots, you can go to the clinics in New York and pay $50 a day for them to do your shots. But you said it's like two euros a day. Yeah, Um, so the medical system here is so different. When you go to the doctor, it's only the doctor. When you need to go get blood work, you have to go, I call it like a blood factory. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But you have to go to a, a laboratory, basically, and that's the only place you can get blood work. If you need a nurse, you have to go to a nurse's office. The nurse is never in the doctor's office. So oh if you needed a shot in general, yeah, it's very different. 
So they basically have segregated out healthcare in a sense to everyone's specialization. You don't have this one-stop shop like in the U.S. So they have these nurses' offices. I called already. There's one. They're all over the city. There's one right next to my office. And they basically have said, you bring your medication to us. You come every night at 6 p.m. We do it for you. And it's two euros total. It's, it's nothing. It's, oh my gosh, that's it's crazy. you know, you're looking at a cost of like maybe 10 to 15 euros for the whole week. And that was important to me. I have a lot of friends who did the injections themselves. I said, it's fine. Like you kind of get over it after the first couple ones, mm-hmm. but I am not a needles person. Yeah. And if I can yeah, pay 15 euros to also not bruise myself, not do it the wrong way, it's already an uncomfortable process, right? Your, your stomach is sore, you're tender. If I can make it better and more enjoyable for 15 euros, for me, it was a no brainer. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Yep, that totally makes sense. Um, and, you know, there's a chance that I actually might kind of follow in your footsteps and do it this way. Um, I'm not making really any decisions until just everything, the travel's lifted and like probably like early next year. Um, it's important to keep into account, like I was thinking like, okay, my mom and I will go. But, um, you know, there will be some expenses too, like Airbnb probably like $2,000 your flight. So it's not going to be as cheap if you live in Europe, but it'll still be, you know, probably a third of the cost at least compared to, you know, New York or other big cities. Yeah. That Um, is the big difference is you'll have to stay in Europe for the like 12, 14, basically two weeks, call it, um, in order to do it. Unless you could then get your prescriptions in the U.S., start the process, but then you're paying the big out-of-pocket for the medication. Right, right, So you could do the math. Plus, again, a Spanish holiday is amazing. Yeah, no, I know. I'm with you. (laughs) Sangria a couple of days after. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Well, you're not trying to get pregnant, so you can drink the sangria while you're doing it. Oh, that's funny. Um, So what would you say is like a good start then if someone were in the U.S. to um, and that's like maybe interested in doing this in Europe, like where would you recommend them starting? Ah, good question. So I did a consultation and it was super easy. Basically, just go on their website, IVI. Uh, you can register for a consultation. They speak multiple languages. So in Spain, they speak French, English, and Spanish. Um, but they do have other doctors who will sort of translate. So I have someone who I call who's an English speaker who then speaks to the doctor in Spanish, for example. So you can do a whole consultation and decide whether or not it's right for you. They'll give you all the pricing. I've shared the pricing with you so you could see a, a more detailed breakdown. But essentially, like I said, it's 3k all in with the storage with uh, all the pre-tests that you need to do and then a thousand a thousand euros basically or dollars if you do it in spain because it's slightly cheaper for the medication so they'll walk you through all of that they'll walk is it on the the phone is it is it just like yep so it was a exactly it was sort of a phone skype consultation um face to face with the doctor too uh, face to face via skype uh, so you do just a Skype consultation. They answer all your questions. They say, all right, like you let us know when you want to come. And then, and then you go and start the process. Once you go there, super simple. They walk you through everything. It's, it's really well organized. But for me, you know, I, I started, it's so great that you're doing this podcast because now that I've 
been so vocal about doing it. And it is a little bit difficult to be vocal about doing it in France because there are a lot of people that are very against it. But I'm sort of in the boat of, look, it's 2020. Let's change our perceptions about women and our bodies and what we can do with our bodies and our legal rights. And yeah. it has ruffled some feathers at work, to be honest, to, to say I'm going through this process. Wow. But now that I have, I've had maybe seven different women come to me and say, like, can I talk to you about it? What's it like? How do I start? Um, so I do think that this is going to be so useful for people who just want to know what is the process like in general, because yeah. we're, it's somewhat, it's something that not everyone talks about. I think the nice thing is people are starting to talk about it more. And then now you have a, a totally different option. If you want to come uh, do it in another country through IVI, you can. Cool. No, I am totally with you. And I think it's just good to know all your options. And it has just seemed kind of like this scary thing. And sometimes like, I guess, almost embarrassing, like, you know, like, in your 30s, and still not in the place in your life, or like you haven't hit these milestones. But um, I think talking about it more is just the only way we're going to normalize it. And I'm all with you, like, more like women's reproduction rights, and like our bodies are our bodies. And uh, there shouldn't be judgment about how we want to live our lives as well. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree. So Thank you so much for giving us this information. Um, it's been really helpful and I'm excited to kind of follow along uh, your journey when, when you do do this um, soon and uh, I'll check back in with you. Well, thanks so much for having me and I'll, I'll keep you informed along the way. You can virtually come with me. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks Britt. My next and final guest is Brianna, who talks with us about dating and how this has actually alleviated pressures of dating in our 30s and how it feels um, when you are single going through this process and how it's really empowered her and made her worry less about timelines. So let's get into it. Hi everyone. So our next guest is Brianna and she has been a friend of mine um, from San Francisco and also a, a kindred spirit in the terms of she loves to travel. She doesn't believe in settling to find the one. Um, she's worked in tech and also for a dating app. So thank you for um, being on board, Brianna, and talking to me today. Thanks for having me. Um, so I would love to know just like a quick bio, if you could tell, um, the listeners and why you decided to freeze your eggs in the first place. Yeah, definitely. So I'm 35 and I've been living and dating in San Francisco for the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. I think that I, um, didn't ever plan on being single, um, uh, in my thirties. And so egg freezing was something that was really important to me to just kind of take the pressure off of dating and yeah. give me that like, you know, option for the future. Um, and I think that, you know, it's something that I, I talk about a lot with my friends. It's something that I think is really important for people who uh, have a little bit of uncertainty ahead of them to, you know, look into at least and look as an option and see if it's the right option for them. It's not for everyone, but it was definitely the right choice for me when it just came to giving myself a little bit of a security blanket. And, you know, if, when you freeze your eggs, it's not a situation where you necessarily have to use them in the future. Sometimes people don't even have to 
um, you know, use that security blanket, they, you know, it might be something that even ends up being an option when it comes to their second or their third child. But um, it definitely gives me a little bit of peace of mind knowing that I have, um, you know, that, you know, set of options preserved for, you know, when I am ready to settle down and create a family. Exactly. I love that you bring up that point that a lot of people think like, oh, it's fine. Like I can still wait until I'm like 35 to even do this or like I'll wait just to try it naturally. But it's it's a good um, thing to think about in terms of like your second and third child that you may conceive naturally and then maybe you want to wait a few years till the next child, but you're already in your low 40s. So it is kind of that insurance policy Um, if you want to have a bigger family. So I think that's like an excellent point that um, also um, women might want to think about. Yeah, definitely. So, and I'm with you for like the pressures of dating. I think dating in our thirties, like in one regard, like we're probably like more confident than ever because we know what we don't want and we've experienced a lot of dating. Um, But also it's so nice to like not have to worry about timelines and if you're dating someone for six months like worrying like oh my gosh okay like then maybe we get married in a year then maybe we have a year after that and then we have a kid and just like worrying about the whole like biological clock and timelines I think is pretty stressful in our 30s so I'm with you that this is like another way that you can just kind of like continue living your life and just like letting your journey unfold. Yeah. I mean, I like what you said about timelines. Cause I think that at this point I'm definitely dating with the intention of finding my partner. And so there is always just kind of that lingering, um, you know, curiosity of, you know, is this someone that I could potentially create a life with, but because of, you know, the, the flexibility that I now have when it comes to timelines, I don't have to put pressure on a situation. I can enjoy getting to know someone and really, you know, try to um, give dating a chance in, in a very intentional way, but also, you know, not feel like I have to put this added pressure on it. Exactly. Um, can you tell us how you kind of went about researching um, your clinic and why you liked your clinic and what women should kind of look for in your opinion? Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned, I I live in San Francisco, but the clinic that I actually went to, um, Ova Egg Freezing, was in Chicago. And I really, really liked their staff. I really liked the office. It was um, a place that I had gotten referred to by a friend and then also um, a couple of the contestants on The Bachelor had gotten their eggs frozen there because one of the head nurses, she, um, one of the senior nurses, was actually on the show a few years ago and won her season. And she's a fertility nurse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Her name's Whitney and she's incredible and just such an easy person to connect with. Uh Um, And I just felt like that everyone that was in there um, in like in their lab and, you know, in their office was just kind of like a friend. And I really, really, you know, felt connected to their mission and their, um, you know, kind of purpose and, and helping women because they specifically do egg freezing, mm-hmm. um, helping women, you know, give, give them that insurance, um, policy for, for later. And I think that, um, you know, they made egg freeze, the entire egg freezing process really easy for me. And I, despite living in San Francisco, traveled to, to work with them. And it's a place that I would recommend others 
um, to explore as well. But I think when you are looking to, you know, to make a decision on which spot is right for you, there's, you know, a lot of different options, look into them, get to know the team and, and ask questions and, and make a decision based off of what really feels right. Totally. I think it's like almost like how they say, like, you need to like date around for a therapist and it's okay. Yeah. if like the first or second one just doesn't feel like a right fit. Cause this is such a personal thing. And they're talking to you about your future. Like you just don't want to feel like a number or just feel like, it's just a sterile environment. So like, I love that it like felt more like friends, like you said earlier, like it's it, like the clinic kind of felt like it looked like a living room and it was just like this cozy place to go to. And you felt like you were taken care of. So I love that. Yeah. I feel like their decor and their front office space just looks like it should be an architectural digest. It's really, oh, wow. it's really cool. cute. It's a place I like, I like going to. <laughs> awesome. Um, do you mind sharing a bit about, um, I know that you are interested in doing a second round. Um, Can you discuss kind of the financial breakdown of like an approximate cost for this clinic and like just in general in your research? Yeah. So I would say that, you know, all places that I've looked into are around the same range. It just kind of depends on based off of, you know, your levels and and where you're at personally with the diagnostic tests that they do in advance, how much of the medication that you're going to need. So I found that it's, it's going to cost between eight to 10 K per round. And Mm -hmm. right now I'm in the process of deciding when if, but probably just when I'm going to be doing round two. Um, I did my first round. It was almost exactly two years ago. And I've been meaning to do a second, but there've been a a lot of variables and and things that have kind of gotten in the way of that. But um, now that I've had more time to, you know, think about it and and really think about, you know, at 35, like, okay, this this is really the age that you should be doing it by, Um, you know, when do I want to make this a priority and and get my second round in? So each time, you know, you're going to get a certain number of viable eggs that end up ultimately being on ice that you can preserve forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more, the more that you have available to you, the better your chances of that resulting in a live birth. And so, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a financial commitment because it's, you know, presumably around $10,000 every single time you do it. But, um, I think, I think that the cost is definitely worth it just for that, you know, insurance se- sense of mind. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So does that include, um, the medicine, as well? Or is that a separate cost? Or was that kind of just like the whole, the whole cost in general is around the 10,000? Yeah, that's the whole cost in general, including all of the all of the drugs that you need. And so that's the medicine is um, the kind of the variant, I guess, Mm -hmm. when it comes to what the actual total ends up landing at. But I found that it's usually between eight to $10,000. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, uh, a previous guest on this podcast did it in New York. And I do think that the prices are probably just as everything in New York is more expensive, but it was around $18,000 um, for everything. So it's good to know that like, if you don't live in New York, or maybe you're from a different city, um, you could explore options of like where your family lives, um, just to save money, if that's something um, that you're looking to do. So um tell me about like how it felt like you said it was like pretty normal life like you felt kind of like you were bloated but it was it didn't like pause your life so can you talk a little bit about that and like what you did for those two weeks 
Yeah, definitely. So I've had a lot of friends that have had different experiences and I'm sure that there's a lot of variables that can inform, you know, what, what kind of experience each person has, but I didn't have a ton of changes when it came to, you know, emotional stability or, um, you know, any sort of like hormonal, um, you know, issues that I had to kind of navigate. Mm -hmm. I felt pretty, it felt pretty normal and regular. I, you know, despite the bloating really felt myself. And the one thing that during those two weeks, you can't, you definitely can't do is work out. And I'm definitely an active person that typically does classes. And, um, that was, I mean, that was really the only change when it came to my day to day. I, Mm -hmm. um, the the first time that I actually injected myself and, you know, when when you're getting used to using the vials and, and putting together, um, you know, the, the fluid that you have to, you know, put in the syringe and getting all of that figured out the very first time that I did that, um, I was actually at a wedding. So my friend got married. (laughs) <laughs> she got married in the Bay Area and I came with like my little kit with the, all of the stuff in my purse <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> and it was a beautiful venue that actually had this like side barn that wasn't too far away and I had talked to her about it in advance and so I was able to go over there it was also where a couple mothers went to do um some pumping at various points but I oh. um yeah, I just like, I set up all my stuff. I did my first injection, um, you know, in the privacy of this vacant barn, but it was really funny because all my friends that were at the wedding, um, were just, you know, kind of really impressed with kind of how casual I was about it, but, um, totally like go to the barn and then go back on the dance floor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it was really easy. I mean, I, I have, I've never injected myself before. And I think the biggest thing that I was concerned about was making sure that I did the right amount of medication that you kind of have to, um, you know, mix together and, and prepare yourself. Mm -hmm. But they had actually sent me quite a few videos that I watched both in advance of doing the injections as well as while I was doing it, that made it super helpful and easy. So that was, that was something that I found to be um, pretty seamless, but yeah, during those two weeks, I really lived my life and was pretty, um, you know, outside of not being able to work out living it at business as usual. Okay. That's so good to know because, you know, everyone is going to be different throughout this process, but there are several people that have like a really positive experience, um, with it physically, like you did and like even emotionally. So, you know, that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, so what would you say is, one of the most surprising things about the process or do you do you have did you have any kind of like light bulb moments moments throughout the process or was anything like new news to you like once you started it I mean I think the biggest surprise to me was it just wasn't difficult and I think that you know during during those two weeks I mean one one thing that was also kind of business as usual at the time was I was dating and I was going on dates and I found it surprising how um I don't know open I was about the fact that I was going through it Mm -hmm. I thought that it would be something that I wouldn't necessarily want to share with everyone but I realized that as a woman that was single you know in my 30s it was something I wanted to talk about and I wanted to tell people um you know, that I was meeting and, and friends and, you know, I, I didn't necessarily go into it on dates, but sometimes I would, I would mention that it was something that I was doing. And, um, you know, the whole process really made me become more of an advocate of mm-hmm. this decision that I made and making sure that, you know, other women that, you know, like you and I who are, you know, dating in our thirties and haven't settled down quite yet, 
um, think about the future. And I've loved my 12 years in San Francisco. I've had a blast. I've dated a lot of really great people. I've had relationships that have helped me kind of figure out what kind of partner I'm looking for. But, um, you know, I, I do need to think about my future because there, whether I like it or not, there is a timeline and this, this decision has been so, so important for me. So I talk about it a lot, probably a lot more than I ever expected to. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you're so open about it. And in a way it's like really empowering to know that you get to have this choice and we're lucky enough with technology and medical advancements that we now have a choice to do this. And, you know, um, like even like 30 years ago, this really wasn't a thing. I have a really close aunt that is um, almost 70 and she got married later in life, like around like 38 or 39. And then a few years in wanted to start having children with her husband. And um, it just, it didn't work for her, unfortunately. And they did a lot of like IVF treatments and stuff, but she wishes a she had had this option like in her twenties, early thirties, cause it probably would have changed things, but she ended up, you know, she has an amazing life, um, how it is. And so that also leads me into the last question, um, about what you wish you knew beforehand. And you and I privately talked about like, uh, doing this maybe like earlier on in our lives. So can you talk about like what you wish you had done or knew before? Yeah, absolutely. So I really wish that I knew that this was something I should look into in my 20s. And I always tell my friends that are in their mid 20s that haven't even become close to thinking about this, that mm-hmm. this you really should think about it earlier. Um, I think, you know, no one, no one really knows in their 20s what life's going to, what direction life's going to go in. You don't, um, you know, necessarily expect to maybe be single or settle down by a certain age. And yeah. so I just, yeah, I, th- I think that people having this conversation and you and I were talking about how this comes up amongst our friends all the time. I really wish that people had this conversation and talked about it and looked into it and considered it in their twenties. And I know that, you know, there's obviously the, the fine um, component. And so you have to mm-hmm. have the the means to make an investment like this, but it's an investment in yourself. It's an investment in your future. And, um, the more I learned about, you know, yeah, like when I was, when I was 33, uh, when I went through the process for the first time, I learned a lot about my levels and where my fertur- fertility was at based off of the initial tests that they did. And I didn't know any of that before. And I really wish that I had, you know, looked into, um, learning more about where my body was at and what I might want to consider doing in my early twenties. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think like, you know, when I was 25, it was 2010 or so, and it just wasn't mainstream. It wasn't the norm. Like, I think you thought it was more for like women that were having geriatric pregnancies, like later yeah. in their third, which is stupid. Cause it's like, yeah. when you're 37, that counts as a geriatric pregnancy, but like, it just wasn't a thing. And so I think now for 20 somethings as well, um, seeing it as a sense of empowerment, um, and just like insurance to keep living your life and not having to, uh, worry about settling down and stuff that, that would be amazing if you could do that. So I'm totally with you. Yeah. And so many of my friends, my girlfriends that are just such kick-ass people, they have great careers. They, you know, a lot of them are in really solid relationships and they have a lot going on. Um, A lot of my, you know, the the people that I admire most have gone through this. And it's something that we, that's, that point is something that we talk about a lot. 
Yeah, I love that. And I'm so happy you had like such a positive experience um, with it. And, you know, um, I'm excited for you to do it again. And um, I'm just glad that we are both like in a good spot in our lives. And this like (laughs) helps us feel a little bit better about dating in our 30s and just being on our own journeys, you know? Yep. Absolutely. So thank you so much um, for being on and um, definitely keep in touch about when you do it again. And um, I can share like your Instagram and everything uh, when this is posted, but uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I'm really glad that you're, that you're talking about this, this with, you know, a handful of women that have had different experiences, but you know, I think that, I think that this is something that again, is just, it's so great for people to talk about and have it be a part of conversation more frequently. Totally. Just normal conversation. Um, and just to bring it like more in like people's like forefront and that is just like the norm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thanks Rihanna. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this was super informative about all things egg freezing. And if you liked this podcast, please make sure to give me a review on Apple iTunes and also to subscribe. And if you have any questions for the guests, you can feel free to DM me on Instagram, which is at 30 waves. And I can ask the guests directly for you. Check out my blog at 30 waves.com. I'm also putting up another blog post this week, um, just to go into more detail about Q and a on egg freezing research on clinics costs around the country. So, um, yeah, I hope you listen to other episodes and thanks for your time.